0: You are listening to episode 27 of Daisy Geek Girls. I am Preeti Chibber. And I am Swapna Krishna. And we are recording on Sunday, May 27th.
1: Oh, boy. It's Memorial <laughs> Day weekend, everybody. For yeah, all of you and it's the It's a the very US. sleepy Memorial yeah, Day weekend. I am very sleepy.
0: Yep. Personally. It's raining outside. It's, like, really dreary. I had to put my light on, and it's, like, 10 in the morning. Yeah yeah it's but
1: it's it's a good i guess like weekend to stay inside it was really nice yesterday it was hot but it was nice
0: oh it was so hot i finally put my air conditioners in because i was dying
1: oh Oh, we've had our air conditioners on for a while but um i finally wore shorts because like the trans i'm weird with the transition from like kind of winter spring to summer like it has to get really hot for the first time before I put on my shorts and then mm-hmm. I'll like kind of get used to the temps and then it'll be like it'll be like 65 degrees and I'm wearing shorts but yesterday I was like I can definitely wear shorts today and it
0: was like, like 90 degrees it was so unfair and we were
1: hot. running around all day like we left the house at 10 30 and didn't get back till 8 8 30 and it was terrible and it was so hot and my husband got a new car not too long ago and one of the like fancy features on this car is a cold box which is literally an air-conditioned insulated like box inside the like inside what? The center console where you can put like drinks and they will stay cold all day and it was it was the first time we tested it out and it was so cool it was like i was like yes cold box like that's and, amazing so i'm really excited now to take this car on a road trip even though it gets like Eight miles per gallon. I want to go on a road trip with you in barely, that. Conference. I know I'm barely exaggerating, but it's it's pretty bad because it's a big SUV. <laughs> but like, yeah, like it has some really fun features. But, <laughs> but 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 enough about my husband's fun car. Okay, I guess we should get to it. Let's get to it. So today we've got um, some news as usual. We're going to talk about one of um, our um, $10 level Patreon subscribers. Um, we're actually talking about two things because they gave us a choice and we wanted to talk about both. (laughs) So, and then solo. So we'll timestamp, um, the stuff. So if you want to tune in for one discussion or not, another, we'll make that easy
0: as usual. But in terms of news, so we, we launched our, our first of our like little mini shows that we're doing to highlight South Asian talent, um, this past week with, uh, which we're super excited about and the show reverie, which I know that you have seen the first episode I of. I have.
1: It's a lot of fun. It's, um, personally, um, I just really, the thing that attracted to me, me to it is uh, the cast, because, like, I looked at a cast picture that's kind of, I had a publicist email me about it. I had never heard of it. And emailed me to see if I was interested in covering it. And then I look at, like, a pic- attached picture of the cast. And four out of the five main cast are people of color. Which I was like, that does not happen. No, that never happens. That doesn't happen. Like, I'm just, it just does not happen. Like, and especially on, like, one of the, in, on, like, a primetime show, on a major, mm-hmm. like, on a, you know.
0: And there's variety within the people of right. color. Like, it's not just all, like, one kind right
1: so it's uh sindhil ramamurti um it's the the main the star is sarah shahi who i have been a fan of for a really long time Mm -hmm. and then it's sindhil ramamurti uh jessica Liu, dennis Haysbert, who was from everyone knows from 24 and then Catherine something and i'm forgetting the white person's name because of course um I'll look it up, but and it will be the show notes. But anyway, so it's a really um, she's she's been on a lot of things too, and so like the cast is really good. Just they're just very talented. The chemistry is really good. Like I really appreciated. There was like one scene in the pilot, and this is not a spoiler. Um, so the premise of the show is they're talking. Uh, there's this tech, like this amazing VR tech. It's um, virtual reality, like you know, probably ten years, twenty years from where we are right now, um, where. It can actually, it, there's just, just a, like, a little implant, not like the VR headsets we have right now, and it can, like, interface with your own brain to, like, create, like, whatever you ask for, whatever fantasy you ask for, and, like, it is indistinguishable from the real world. And the problem is, um, people don't want to leave, because fantasies, mm-hmm. you know, dreams, you know, bringing people back from the dead, you know, like, that type of stuff, and so, um, sir sure, shahi is a former hostage negotiator who's like sent in to go like get these people out before they die in the real world so it's a great premise but like there's this one scene where i was noticing where sandhil ramamurthy and jessica lu are arguing and they have two very different points it's two asian you know one east Asia, east or southeast i'm not sure um lu is a chinese last name i think but I may be totally wrong about that. But East or Southeast Asian and um, one South Asian. And they're, it's just the two of them having a conversation and they're arguing back and forth. And like, it, it's just like you, have I mean, it, it, it's hard to like put into words because like there is not, okay, the Asian person is acting this way.
0: Because right. there's two Asian people in a room with differing opinions. And, and that's like, that's like it's that amazing the burden the burden of representation is is lifted yeah. a little bit. One of them can
1: have not great opinions about what's happening, and it's not like, mm-hmm. okay, you are stereotyping Asian people in a certain way. Right. Like it is so good. Like and like you get through like it's it's amazing. Like it's really, really good on a representation front, but I also just enjoyed the show. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, I hope people tune in. It's on NBC. It premieres Wednesday, uh, May 30th at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. And so I hope Mm -hmm. people tune in. I'm going to be recapping it at Fangirls, um, too. So you can come in.
0: Yeah, so you can check out our interview with Sendel, like right under or above, depending upon what service you're using. This episode, which we dropped on Thursday, Wednesday.
1: Wednesday,
0: yeah. Wednesday Wednesday of last week. Um, so something else that came up recently, which we both had a vested interest in and have a vested interest in, um, was Kevin Feige, Feige, however you say it, from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, was asked if Kamala Khan would ever show up. And he said, there are plans for Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, that could mean anything, but it launched all this conversation yeah. about who should be writing it and who who is the steward and all of these things because I think Riz Ahmed said something and Mindy Kaling said something and and all these like kind of um, South Asian pe- like people in but right, so just like raising their hand, being like I'm just love like this yes, character. I want to be involved with this right yeah. um, because it's it's very exciting uh, and it turned into there was a lot of discussion about. The specifics of the person who needed to be involved in terms of writing the character because Kamala Khan is a Pakistani American Muslim girl.
1: Yes, and And... I think um, I took issue with some of that because it wasn't coming from the South Asian community for a lot Mm -hmm. of it from what I saw. Some of it I'm sure was, but who should and shouldn't be writing that character wasn't coming from our
0: community. And so it was kind of... It, it, a lot of the vocal people. I did see some some points from South Asian people. Um, but it was... And I just don't want to even get into it because it was getting, like, heated. So I It was, was like, getting very heated. And, you know, the only thing I said about it was that I saw a lot of people saying that she... Whoever was doing it needed to be Pakistani and Muslim. And I was like, you're forgetting... The American part, which is a there's a huge difference between, and and this was from people who were not. The, I didn't see that from the South Asian community. I saw that from people who are not in the community of like for losing the American part. But that's a hyphenate identity is such an important piece of who Ms. Marvel is because that's yeah. the thing. She's she's of two cultures. She's and that's why so many of us identify with her and and see our specific experience as hyphenate Americans being presented in these hubs. But all of that to say we're not gonna get into what is right and what is wrong. Right. But and Willa like my uh, my my
1: my only um, input on it was I hope Sunna and Willow are somehow involved. Yeah. Um, I don't think they'll be writing just because I don't know how much screenwriting they have. Um, and if you don't know who Sana is, Sana Amanath is the co-creator of Ms. the character um with Stephen Wacker and willows Willow writes the character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope they're involved somehow. Um, I would love to see them write it, but I don't think that's realistic, to be frank. Um, and uh, I hope whoever does it has a history of writing um sympathetic or well authentic well-characterized right. South
0: Asian women and young women. But uh, we are just going to point you at a tweet thread, that a Twitter thread that G. Will Wilson did in response to this in terms of both who should and should not be allowed. But the, the most interesting thing that she said, I thought, well, one of the most interesting things was when she was talking about comics and by nature comic characters are written by like a million different writers. Yeah. Like that's how it works. Right now, Jewel Olson is the main writer on Miss Marvel, but Miss Marvel has been written by other people in uh, like Mark Wade is writing her character in Champions. Right. And so like there is that's how comics works and so this idea of like Because a lot of it was who owns the character. Right. And like, and G. Willow Wilson is a Muslim
1: woman who is from kind of the area, I think, like she's Boston, like, and a big part of like, Ms. Marvel's identity is like being from New Jersey, like being from Mm. Jersey City. But Willow is not, she's white, like, and she does so well with this character. And her point was that it's a collaborative effort. Yes. And you can't you you can't say, like, oh, it has to be this type of person from this ethnicity, from this thing. Because it's also... It's not just Sunna and Willow, either. It's the artists. Yeah. How much has Adrienne Alfana, like, brought to our understanding of Ms. Marvel with so the good. facial expressions and the... Like, how much... Like, it's just... It is a, such a collaborative effort, and I think she... Like, because she even said, like, the way people are associating her with me and are saying I'm the only person who can write her or... Uh, you know, saying only one person can write her makes me think I should step back from the character. Yes, which, which is—I hope she doesn't because she does yeah, a good job with it. But at the same time, it shows like a really sophisticated understanding of how comics works in a way that, like, for example, Brian Michael Bendis, who created all these like POC characters and refused to let anyone write them for like a decade, doesn't get right. Or, like, female characters like Jessica Jones, like, or, like, you know, like, Miles Morales. like yeah. And, like, then and there's, refuse there's, to let anyone else write them.
0: Yeah, and there's this is not to say that we are saying that, like, it shouldn't be something. It's, yes. It's really whoever has a, the best and most authentic take on the character. Like, that's who you want involved. Right. That's who you want
1: you writing it. And you have to it. have someone involved who does have, like, who is, you know, does have the Pakistani American experience, but that doesn't mean that's the only person you can have
0: involved. Exactly. So there, yeah, and and you want someone, and you know, something we like this. This doesn't tie in exactly to comics, but it is. It does tie into this idea of representation, and there are moments of South Asian representation that have happened recently by South South Asian creators. That were negative. Yeah. And I don't mean negative in that, like, it's showing an Indian person being bad. I mean, it's centering negative in that it does harm to the way our community is viewed. We talked about it
1: with the big sick and Komenayama and Johnny.
0: Yes. And so there, there are moments like that that happen where there, you know, members within our community have blinders on and can't always be the experts. Yeah. When you see things where you know it centers whiteness and to the detriment of the community or, or whatever it is, and that happens from within our community all the time. Yeah. And so you can't just default and be like, it just has to be this. It has to be someone who is able to write the community and write the character from a point of view that centers that. Yeah, that it has to be balanced. It has to be balanced, and it doesn't, and you know, has,
1: Right, and someone who has a love for both, because a lot of what we have seen, um, it, a lot of what we've seen is kind of turning your back on the South Asianness um, and right. kind of embracing like the Americanness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's a thing that people do. And that's a thing like that totally. is a real experience, but that's not what Ms. Marvel is about. Mm-hmm. And too many of those stories get told to the, and not enough of the other kind to get told yes. because those are more like, like non South, like white people can identify with those more. Yes. And so, like, that's why we talk about, like, these types of stuff is not written for us, it's written for the white gays, and so I really would like Ms. Marvel to not be written that way. Because she's not written that way now, and, like, white people love her, so it's not, (laughs) so let's just keep that going. Oh, I said Pakistani-American, I also said Muslim, I also meant Muslim, too, because that's such an important part of who Kamala is, like, so important, and I love, I love the way they balance that in so like Pakistani American Muslim mm. okay that was kind of heavy so we're gonna talk about some fun heavy. stuff now one of our Patreon subscribers at the $10 level gave us a choice for this month for between uh talking about Brooklyn Nine-Nine and talking about The Good Place and because we love both of those shows um I we just kind of decided to talk about both of them. Yes. <laughs> okay, so let's start with Brooklyn Nine-Nine now, especially because there's been a lot of drama around the show in the mm-hmm. past, like, month. I, um, have seen one episode... And it didn't quite hook me, but I've heard so much good stuff about it. And, like, for example, I had seen the first couple of episodes of Parks and Rec, and that didn't hook me either. And then now it's, like, one of my favorite shows. So, like, I do get that it might take a little while to get into. So I do want to pick it up. But um, talk to me about why you love it, because it's one of your favorite shows, right?
0: Yes. I mean, we all know that I I love sitcoms. Like, I'm a big sitcom person. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine, when it started, it hadn't... Like, a lot of shows hadn't quite figured out what it was. Like, it was going to be this, like, Andy Samberg vehicle and and about how he's this, like, rogue cop up against the blah, blah, blah. But, like, they very smartly quickly shifted that into a truly, like, it's an ensemble comedy. Yeah. Everyone on that show is so, so funny. And it's smart. And it's, like, super diverse. You know, you have, you have, like well no South Asian people but like, no real Asian people but you yeah. have a lot of other other representation um, but it takes these like very what would be very silly silly moments and makes them really really smart and funny so like you know you have Terry Crews who is the the sergeant of this crew of cops I mean the basic the basic premise is it's a wait Terry Crews
1: is on the show?
0: yes I mean, I knew Andre Brouwer was on the show, but like Terry Crews is, is on the show. How did I not know this? <laughs> and he's amazing on it. It's uh, Terry Crews, Joe Letruglio, Chase Chelsea Peretti, um, Stephanie uh, Beatrice. I really like Stephanie Beatrice. Just she's amazing. Um, Melissa, oh my god, I'm losing her last name. Who plays Amy? I'm am re- doing this from memory. Be very yeah. impressed. But, like right now. Um, so it's. It's basically about this crew of cops, you know, the 99th precinct in Brooklyn. Um, the first season is, is about them coming to terms with their new captain, who is played by Andre Brower, uh-huh. who is like Juilliard trained or like super, you know, just so good. And but doing comedy and they use him in such a great way, like. This show has some of the best cold opens I've ever seen. So, like a cold open is this, the short scene that happens right before the intro, the like um, introduction, uh, the the introduction credit sequence, and they are so good about. I, I saw an article, I think it was on NPR, about how they use those that time really, really well to go into the like hard intro music. Um, and the, when they use Andre Brower, it's, it's incredible, but so it's the show about the, these cops, um, which is sometimes a little difficult, but because the show is so diverse and so, and set in New York and like, you know, um, even though it's filmed in California and you can tell, <laughs> <laughs> that's not a real subway. Uh, it's, it never defaults to, to punching down humor which is so key like the show always punches up you know it's and it develops it's developed the character so well over the past five seasons where there's actual growth and they don't they don't stay one note and they they aren't forced to stay a specific way in order to keep the humor going which i really appreciate um one of my favorite developments and this is like not really a spoiler because it's actually one of the things I hated about the show at the beginning was that Joe Latrullio's character, um, Charles has a huge crush on Rosa Diaz, who's Stephanie Beatrice's character. And it's kind of that, like, like you think it's going to be that he just likes her, likes her, likes her until he wears her down, Uh which is one of the worst tropes. I think that we've, it's hard. It's a harmful trope. It's a part. harmful trope, the, persistent, the myth of the persistence um, thing working. But no, instead, you know, she's like, I'm not into it, but I'm happy to be friends. And he becomes a great friend to her. And it's never about the romance. Like, it's just about being good friends. And you're just, it's so lovely to see something. And that's kind of indicative of what the show does. And it handles these relationships and... What it could easily fall into these tropes and handles them really, really well. Um, you know, Andre Brower plays a cop, a, a cop who is gay and he's black, and it deals with that and deals with the stuff that he had to deal with coming up in the forest. In not like a super dramatic way, because it's a comedy, it's a twenty-two minute comedy, right. but it recognizes it in a very like cathartic way, and it recognizes it and it deals with it. So I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. If you're not watching it, like if you're not you watching should-
1: it, Swapna <laughs>
0: <laughs> You should see the look on her face when she said, if you're not watching it. Uh if you're not watching it, I'm sure you noticed the fervor of all of your timeline when it got canceled. Yeah. And, and then- everybody was like, like literally, I have like, do not cancel the show. And then Fox canceled it and now it's moving to NBC for its final season. Thank God. Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, that's to see. the thing. Like that's the thing. Five seasons is a great run for a TV show these yeah. days. But don't. But like, let the show wrap up on its own term. Yes. And so I'm so glad that it's going to be able to do so because. You know, the seasons, unlike, you know, something that happens frequently with shows that last this long is they have a downturn where you, you know, you watch them and you're like, oh, the third season is when it was the best, you know, Mm -hmm. but Brooklyn Nine-Nine has just gotten better every season. It has just been like upward trajectory. Like they grow, they don't, you know, they, they don't shy away from growth. And that's something that not a lot of sitcoms can handle. Yeah. which is so wonderful to watch. So I'm so, so, so glad it got picked up again because I was I was going to be really bummed if it got canceled. <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, my entire
0: timeline, including,
1: like, Mark Hamill and Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, people were just, like, I watched three That's- shows and this is one of them. Don't cancel it. Like, a lot of, like, I- big-name Brooklyn people. Brooklyn
0: Nine-Nine um, Superstore is another one that I would recommend, and I think I've recommended on the yeah, show before, have. where it's it's taking a very... S- smart look at what our world looks like like actually looks like and letting that be in the story without it being the focus of the story mm-hmm. i don't know it's so good it's just so good um is that some michael shore it's michael shore yeah. right
1: who did um, produced it for sure produced it yeah okay so because like he he is behind the office parks and Rec, the good place yeah so good he's so good and that's kind of what like attracts me to it like even if i don't if the first episode didn't hook me um um like knowing that he's involved i'm like i will like i will love it eventually like even if the first episode isn't my thing and then like another thing is stephanie beatrice um her
0: character's bi right Yes, and that's, uh, it's a little bit of a spoiler, but you know, it's so in the news. Like, I Yeah, it's like, so you know, in the news, and like, I don't think
1: someone's, like, I agree with, you know, with people who say, like, someone's sexuality, sexual orientation shouldn't be a spoiler. Right,
0: yes. But it's like, isn't it it's, a, a journey that she goes through or something? It's a journey, it's, you know, she's, and it's a journey that the actress has gone through in terms of what mm-hmm. she's disclosed publicly, um, but... They have not it's it's one of the few really, really positive representations of bisexuality you've seen in like a a sitcom that airs at 830 where it's not about it doesn't pull into the tropes about being bi. It's just. She is into what she's into, and so they're exploring that side now, which is another reason that I was like, please do not. Canceled show before we actually get to see her go on a date with friggin' uh, Gina Rodriguez. Yeah. Well, and I think it's (laughs) notable that, like, it it has multiple
1: types of LGBTQ representation because so many people just use that as a catch all and one is enough. And it's, well, that's not the case because it's, you know, we use it as kind of a, you know, LGBTQIA plus, like, it's a term, we use it as a term, but it's not a term. Right.
0: It, there are distinctive identities yeah, within so it's
1: that. Nice. I, I was really excited to see that in the news, kind of, because it's like two POC playing. You know, you know, Andre Brower is gay. She, uh, Stephanie Beatrice is bi, and it's just like it's showing like the why. Yeah, we don't get given. to
0: see we don't get to see the intersections of identity mm-hmm. all that often, um, and so it's nice to see that. It is. It's and it's so funny. It's so. Yeah, I think the thing I didn't so like funny. about it the first time
1: is I'm like on. Oh, I'm like uh, uh, Andy Sandberg is the least interesting character.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. He they they learn how to use him. Uh-huh. They learn how to use Jake Peralta really well. I think in that he is he's the guy who wants to be the badass but isn't. Yeah, you know which I like. Like he wants so badly to be the star of Die Hard, like so badly. And he's good at his job, like he's really really he's a good detective, but he's not that guy yeah <laughs> and so he and the and the friendships they write into this show are really well i like i really, really love a well written friendship,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they do that so so well like everybody truly it truly feels like everybody like really likes each other um I mean the, the most the best way I can recommend it is just to say how funny it is. Yeah. Like I think you can you really tell laugh loud. when the cast likes each other. Like on the yeah. show you can tell when the cast
1: enjoys being together.
0: Yeah. And you can, you know, it's it takes about six episodes to like find its groove, which I think is about average for yeah. for a sitcom. You know, just to like get past it. It's like the first season of Parks, you know, not as not as bad. But like get past that part of it, and you will get into, like, some of the best TV writing. Yeah. I think that's happening. Now. Yeah, Parks, that that first season and some of that second season were just kind of rough. They're rough. They're yeah. they, they trying to be The Office, and, and they weren't The not, office. yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, okay, so we're going to talk about another Michael
0: Schur comedy. The Good Place, the Good Place. which is amazing. Yeah. This one so. we are going to be really hard, try really hard not to – boil anything yeah. because I'm I don't think we're going to talk about plot much because no
1: the, the the twists and turns of this show are so good.
0: Yes. They very much are. But so this is um starring Kristen, Kristen Bell. Bell, Ted Danson, um and Kristen Bell's character is this woman who has mis- seemingly mistakenly been sent to the good place instead of the bad place. She's like she basically
1: oh, a terrible person. Like her she's job was selling like person. like like supplements to sick people that don't do anything and she, you know that don't help them and she knew it and it was basically a scam taking their money. Like I mean like terrible, terrible and she was fine with it. Like
0: she's like whatever. Yeah. She's like that shitty person who like it's very funny in the way they just, they show us how how frustrating she is. Um but they don't like she, they don't try to apologize for it. She is just yeah. a shitty person. And it's it's a case of mistaken identity. Yeah. She has taken the place of another Eleanor Shellstrop who was supposed to go to the good place. Yeah. And that's how the show opens. And Ted Danson is what he calls himself the architect. Um Michael, who has created the good place that she exists in. Uh and then alongside her are William Jackson Harper. Jamila Jamil Darcy Carden and Manny Jacinto yes all Uh, of them are so good they're so so good um and it's gonna be hard to talk about the show without but we can talk about the characters yeah so um there's a basic premise that is introduced at the beginning where every character has a soulmate Mm -hmm. um on The Good Place and Eleanor's soulmate is Chidi who's played by William Jackson Harper is that what I said and um, he is like a an ethics professor. Yeah, he's a he's a good person. Good person.
1: Very, very, very unsure of himself and ang- prone yeah. to anxiety.
0: Yes, but um, a good person. A, but a good person. And then their next door neighbors are uh, Tahani Al Jamil, played by mm-hmm. Jamila Jamil, and uh, Tahani is. She was very, very wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, she name drops like no one else I've ever seen she in my life. She
1: considers herself a good person. She I considers herself she a good person. a good
0: place. Um, and then sh- her soulmate is uh, Jian Yu. Who is a Buddhist, a Buddhist monk? monk who's Who... taken a vow of silence. So He's played by Manny and Jacinto. He's so good. He's so good. So, like, that's the basic idea. But this is another show where it's, it's very smartly written. You're not going to see anything coming. I've never, I don't think my jaws ever dropped so far as the first season, it, as something that happens in the midst of the first season. When I was like, I had to be like, I need to rewatch everything I've watched so far to find out how it got here and what I missed. It's so It's so surprising. Good. Um. Also, later on, Tia Sarkar shows up. Mm-hmm. Who we've talked about her quite a bit um, from her role on
1: Star Wars Rebels as mm-hmm. the right voice of Sabine Wren, uh, and she's she's wonderful on the show. She um, it makes me really sad because like her new show Alex Inc. got canceled. Yeah. and I heard I didn't watch it, uh, so part of the reason it got canceled. I heard it was
0: not very good. I watched the first episode, and I love. I actually really like Zach Braff. Scrubs is like one of my favorite shows ever. I am, I am not as problematic Zach Braff fan. as it is so. I freaking love Scrubs. I watched every episode probably like four or I five like times. I like Scrubs, but like I don't like who Zach
1: Braff became after Scrubs. Like, you know, the indie filmmaker, like. Uh,
0: I saw, I think I saw, <laughs> I, I definitely saw, um, whatchamacallit, like Garden three State? times. Huh? Garden, Garden State? State? Yeah, I saw Garden State like three times in the theater. I like, I, but that was the, pro, like, Perfect age when that movie. Yeah, came I, know. Out. I like. I watched it and I liked it, but like then after, like it's just. I know. He's I know. become
1: kind of a caricature of himself uh, by yeah. this point.
0: But so I watched Alex Inc. both because he was on it and because T.S.R. Carr was on it, and and I, you know, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite because I say give a show six episodes, but all the humor just felt like a little dated to me. Mm-hmm. Although I did hear that later the her story ended up being really great. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I might go back and watch the first season anyway, even though I know it got canceled, but I just feel like she deserves something. Yes. She deserves something so much more than the role of, um, the wife and mother. Yeah. Basically. That's kind of how, and that's what everybody I
1: heard talk about it basically said she deserves better than the show. Yeah.
0: Um, Um, so the, I, the good place is great. If you like kind of the Mike sure sort of like absurdist humor paired with like great commentary and, you know, really, really, really tightly written dialogue. mm -hmm. And it's another show where you can tell everybody is having a good time. Yeah.
1: Um, And I think one of, like, I just started this show because I was hearing so much about it, and, like, I enjoyed it. And so I started watching maybe, like, three-quarters of the way through the first season, and, like, yeah, it was really good. Uh, But also, there is a scene where uh, um, Tahani, who, she's a, um, like, South Asian woman, like, South Asian, I don't know, is she Indian? I think she might be Indian. I don't know if she's Indian or Pakistani. But she's a South Asian Muslim woman she's british british yeah and so her south asian family there's a scene where her south asian family shows up on screen so it's her sister her uh, parents and then later in the episode like tsr cars in the episode and i am like i was like i have never seen this many south asian people in one episode of something on like american tv in my life like it was just that wasn't
0: like outsourced <laughs> yeah
1: yeah exactly Like, that wasn't, like, making fun of... Like, because it wasn't. Like, it's not. Yeah, Um, no. It is... It's... You know, okay, and I do want to actually bring something up because I found something really interesting. I was reading... um, Somebody was live-tweeting a panel that Michael Schur was on talking about The Good Place over the weekend. Might have been Jessica Plummer. um, Probably was Jessica Plummer. Um, And they said that, like, Eleanor... Um, who's played by Kristen Bell and Tahani come from like they both come from abusive backgrounds of a different kind and I thought that was really interesting because like yeah I think every South Asian person recognizes the dynamic between Tahani and her family like it is taken to an extreme for sure because for the absurdity of it and for the comedy of it but I think everyone recognizes that every South Asian person pretty much recognizes that dynamic and the toxicity of that dynamic but yet it's your family and it is difficult and it is it's hard and so like I was just, I thought that was a really interesting comment especially because mm-hmm. none of us consider that type of thing. I'm okay so I, I'm not explaining what her family the way her family is so basically she has a sister who's like a uh, rock star? She's a musician, right? Yeah. She's everything. She's an artist. She's a rock star. She's amazing. Tahani, like, puts together, like, she's, like, a philanthropist. And so she puts together and, like, event planner. And so she puts together, like, all these, like, galas and all these benefits for charity and stuff like that. And, like, really all she's trying to do is, like, make her parents proud of her. Right. Because all her parents care about is her sister. Um, And so she's just trying to she just wants her parents to like acknowledge that she's done something good too, and like she mm-hmm. wants to. I mean, in some ways, it is. She wants to beat her sister. It's not just about like, oh, well, I'm doing good things over here too. It's like she wants to be the one who's the apple of her parents' eye for once. Yes, and I think I think that's a that's a that's a that's a that's a pretty common sister dynamic in South Asian. Like, I think that's that's pretty common in like at least Indian families. That's not uncommon that like one. Kid will feel like, especially with sisters, one kid will feel like the favorite. Um, but also, yeah, I just think that it's just, it was super. Like that comment made me really think about the dynamic presented on the show versus kind of like it's it's just hard to put kind of put into words like that. They do it really well. They present it in mm-hmm. a way that is absurdist and funny. But just, like, there's enough truth to And it's, like, way exaggerated. But there's right. enough truth to it to where, like, it, it'll it make you cringe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ugh. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's really good. I
1: really love this show. And, like, y'all, you all know how terrible I am at TV. And this is a show I watch, I keep up with when it's on. Like, I watch week to week. And my husband, too. Like, Ryan loves The Good Place. And so, like, we both, like, this is... I mean, we don't like. I'm trying to think of what other shows we watch together, and like, we don't because we just don't watch much TV. And so, like, this is one of the few shows that, like, week to week, we will both sit down. And I'll be like, "Okay, there's a new Good Place. Let's watch it." And so, we both love it.
0: So yeah, if you haven't, so a end. Chance, yes, if you haven't, watch a chance, Brooklyn Nine Nine and The Good Place. Yes, <laughs> and I will. I will watch Brooklyn
1: Nine Nine. I swear. Yes. <laughs> And the good place is a lot of fun, and the both this, the first two seasons I think might be on Netflix at this point. I know the uh, first I season. Is. Right. I think you're right. Um, so at least you can catch up that way.
0: Okay, now for the now, meat of this episode, I know. Solo, which uh, something and I have not discussed. We're doing an Infinity War style. We're cold, so. Yeah, I saw it Thursday night. She saw it Friday night. night. Yep. Um, and now it's Sunday. Mm-hmm. And... So both had a few days to, to to
1: stew on it.
0: Yes. Um. So, I think it's largely going to be a spoilery discussion, but maybe yeah. first, just first impressions. Like, did you like it? I did. Like, it was fun. I did not need to see it in theater. Uh, I would have been
1: fine waiting. Um, it was fun. It was... I think solo's handicapped by two things for me personally i'm not super interested in the character like when they announced it like a lot of other people i was like does he really need an origin story like really is this what they're doing and then number two was um i the the terrible like news that was coming out about production that Mm -hmm. everyone expected it to be a train wreck so it's kind of like with both of those things in mind i enjoyed it more than i expected to it was better than I expected it to be. Was it good? <laughs> I mean, like, I just, I had a lot of problems with it. And I think, I think my main issue is it explained a lot of stuff. I mean, no, my main issue, there. I mean, there's so many main issues. Right. And I don't want to, we don't want to, sp- we both had a lot of issues with it. And we don't want to spend this whole time bashing it. But one of my main things, um, it was like, my main issues were representation because God, that's like the refrain at this point. Like, re- and then um, um, it just explained things I don't feel like I needed to that needed to be explained mm-hmm. to me. Like, that's that was kind of my um, non-spoilery how I felt.
0: Uh, yeah, I thought it was a fun movie that. Very easily could have been a very special episodes of Star Wars Rebels. Oh my god,
1: that's the first thing Ryan said when we left the theater. He's like, like I thought we just like came to the theater and binge watched an episode of like five episodes of Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, and like I, I totally feel like we could have been
0: boiled down into like two, a two or three episode arc on Rebels, and it would have actually probably been better. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I thought it was fine. I it felt. Like I was watching candy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, Like true. it yeah. was just fine. It didn't have the weight of rogue one. It mm-hmm. didn't have the story necessity of the, the main line of films. And so it was just, it was just fun. Um, same issues that you had in terms of representation, I'm sure, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. but I was, I will say, because I'm glad I read Last Shot before watching. Yeah, it. I did
1: not. So we're gonna get into that too.
0: Yeah, it made me care more. And it also I think made me like uh Young Han more than I would have otherwise. Like I think the movie benefited from me reading that reading that book, um, because otherwise I'm not sure that I would have cared as much. Yeah.
1: Um, Can we go ahead and get into spoilers?
0: Yes, okay. Okay, Because I
1: wanted to say, um, I actually am surprised at how much I liked Young Han.
0: I thought Alden Erekenreich was great. He was, I thought he was, for what what the character was and for the shoes he was stepping into, I thought he did a really good job. I thought that most... Honestly, the most compelling stuff in that movie was Han and Chewie. Yeah, I was agree. Every scene they interacted, every scene they had together was the most
1: compelling just stuff. just how much Han immediately, like, of course, when they're fighting, is, but like, which was a heartbreaking scene, by the way. But um, how much Han immediately just cares about Chewie and treats him as yes. a person
0: instead of a thing. Like, immediately it happens. He's like, the first person to treat him like a person. Yeah. And you know, there's this. It may, it, there's this like great moment where they meet, and they're like leg cuffed together because Chewie's the monster that yeah. the Empire feeds prisoners to. Which is, yikes, yeah. But like Han is trying to be like in in this great kind of cartoonish way, in a way that Han Solo is cartoonish, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Like has these moments of like great comedic, uh, great comedic moments in the original Star Wars trilogy. Han is like freaking out. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then Chewie has him by the neck, I think. And Han starts speaking Wookiee to him in a wonderful moment because I think we've always been like, why is Han-, Han always yeah. answering Chewie in English? Uh, and it was like translating it at the bottom of the that screen. That is terrible Wookiee. Like, oh, and it's really yeah. bad Wookiee, but it's enough that he gets the point across. And Chewie has someone who understands him. And recognizes and that he's a, th- a person and not a thing. Like, right, and speaks his language to him, which he probably hasn't heard in, you know, God knows how long. And it set the tone for their friendship so well, I thought. Like, just really, really enjoyable to watch how yeah. they bonded and became Han and Chewie. And
1: uh, I feel like Han always asks Chewie what he thinks. yeah, And, and like, he never treats him like he's, like, property or like I saved you so now I own you or like yeah. anything like that there's a lot there's just immediately mutual respect yeah. in a way that like a lot of like storytellers have trouble with like that kind of subtlety because it's a very subtle thing like it's not in your yeah. face it's not it's just the way and I, I loved that dynamic that dynamic was so strong it for was me. the best part yeah. of that movie
0: like literally it was the best part because so I'm gonna get it out of the way. We have to talk about it. I'm, I literally in the theater, turned to the people I was with, and were like, "Did they really just do that?" So Thandi Newton, yeah, oh my god, Val, and they kill her off in the first act. ten minutes, like first for, for like 15 no minutes. reason. It wasn't even fridging because it had no effect on the plot. No. Nope. Like I don't understand it. I don't understand what they were thinking. I'm very frustrated. Like frustrated they did it because it literally had no effect on it the no, plot. No, had no effect on the plot because, like, yeah, Tobias it, doesn't change as a character. He's the same character. He agrees. For they her. don't. They aren't. They don't. They don't succeed in a way they wouldn't have without her sacrifice. Right. It, there was no. There was no reason for it. Like she sacrifices herself. So that they can finish a job that they don't get which it? they haven't done the work to explain the stakes of, yeah, so that we don't as viewers we're like, we don't why, 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 and why would gre- you
1: sacrifice yourself a person for just some
0: money, right, which they don't end up getting, no. so then it was it was an unnecessary feudal yeah. sacrifice, which fine, that can speak to plot, but it didn't. It didn't affect Tobias's character at all. She's barely referenced the rest of the movie. Mm. It was insulting. It yeah. was insulting, and it especially was because they have used her so much in the publicity and marketing
1: spent for the movie. More time
0: doing marketing than she was in the movie. Like yeah. it was so frustrating, and I don't get it. I don't. I mean, I think it's. That. I think
1: I, I have a feeling that first act was edited down a lot.
0: Probably, and you know that's one of the other big problems of this movie. is you can tell, that there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, I mean, like, same problem with Rogue One with the editing. Yeah, but not as like this Rogue One wasn't felt, as bad. bad. But yeah, this this one... one was like there were points that you were you were like, this is not the same movie I was watching five minutes ago. You yeah. know, it it was, I I I don't want to spend so much time on the Val stuff, but it's egregious. Yeah, it was egregious. Like I feel
1: like I guess I'm just I'm just I'm. We have the same complaints about freaking every Marvel movie, every Star Wars movie. I'm just tired of it. Like, I mean, that, I'm tired it, of the it,
0: representation of women of color in these movies. Like, art. it's absurd. Yeah, and beyond that, the women in this movie, Amelia Clark, was like a nothing character. Like, I, I want to. I almost sort of want to get the stuff I didn't like out of the way so we can talk about the stuff we liked.
1: I was like, I don't know how much there is that I liked. Like, it's I mean, absurd. I thought the Chewy Chewy
0: Solo thing was amazing, and then but beyond like that. I, I thought that like Amelia Clark was particularly frustrating because she doesn't make a significant decision until the last five minutes of the movie, yeah the rest she's of the movie passive. she's just yeah. sort of like like blank slating it, you know she could have literally been anything or anybody, and it wouldn't have mattered yeah. Um, and so that was really... And they did a lot of hinting about the dark things she's done in her past. And we have
1: but, no idea what... We didn't get the character fleshed out. And I'm not saying we have to see them because
0: no, that's we, we not at all. No, but we have seen some, like... Mo- like, I thought one of the more interesting moments she had is where she kills the guy at the mines mm-hmm. behind the closed door. Mm-hmm. Like, no remorse, just kills him. But they don't spend enough... I needed, like, an extra, like, moment of her, like, relishing it. You know what I mean? Like, show me the darkness. They didn't show us that that yeah. darkness at all until the end. When you know we said the spoilers, but when Darth Maul shows up, or sorry, Maul shows up because he's not Darth Maul anymore. He's Maul. I just when my Maul eyes. shows up, <laughs> just, just I have feelings about this. When Maul shows up and is like, "You're going to come work with me," because she kills. Um, I can't remember the character's name. Paul Bettany's character, yeah. Vision. Uh, she, Vision, she kills Vision. Uh, <laughs> poor, poor Paul Bettany, man. I know, guy, I that's know. Right, you gotta Cause cause he he gotta pay his bills. Come on. You know what it was. You know what the issue I had with all of that was was that we never saw, we never got to see true, true, truly how fearsome. Yeah, his villain Yeah, I was about to say, like he never Paul Bettany. We never understand how evil he is, or how like evil. yeah, see him like kill somebody in the first. When we meet him, but that's not—I don't think that was like that's such a, a cheap, easy way to yeah. be like he's evil. But like, show me more, you know? Yeah, I, we've come to expect more. I yeah, think. and I think if if we if we had gotten more about him and
1: Amelia Clark's backstory, it would have been more interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so but I rolled my eyes at the Darth Mall thing or the mall thing. Because I thought his inclusion I know a lot of people got really excited about that cameo, but if you haven't seen Clone Wars or Right! Like I just I okay, so I wrote you know this, his whole story. I I, I I wrote this article at Fangirls um on like why Star Wars should not rely on the expanded universe as a storytelling crutch. And yes. these movies need to stand on their own. Like yes. you should not have to watch Clone Wars or Rebels or read a book in order to understand a movie, to, to, to like, further, to further you've flesh. Because have only seen the movies, yeah. as far as you he know, is, he's this dead. This cut in half. Like, what he's is he dead. doing? What the fuck is he doing in this movie? I got so mad. What? Like, I, like, got so mad when I saw him on screen because, like, I really, really, really don't like.
0: like okay, fine. Is this you trying is this Star Wars trying to be like, hey, you should go back and watch Clone which Wars, which is shitty. It's like six, uh, six seasons, and like but it's six half of, to get, yeah, a mall story that is just intertwined into actually 10 seasons worth, yeah, because his story continues into Rebels, yeah. This is kind of be like, in between Clone Wars and Rebels. This, this, moment. like, he all of this happens. Right, because I was also, like, trying to think about timing, and I don't want to spoil Rebels for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, I think but, this, yeah, I think this definitely hits
1: before Rebels.
0: I think it hits maybe, it, well, this is what's weird, right, is, like, Han is like, what do we think? Early twenties in this. I think he's the
1: age. He's around the age, maybe a little older that he was that Luke was when Han met Luke. Like, I think it's been ten years. That's what I thought. I thought he was like
0: twenty through twenty three.
1: Yeah, I was thinking like uh, ten ish, maybe eight to ten years between this and A New Hope. Because then,
0: in which case? Because Rebels is like what four years before? Well, Rebels takes place over a couple years, right? But But in that, there is a moment that happens in which Luke is around 8 to 10 years old. um, So, okay, so here's the thing. I think he's supposed to be a lot older than that. And I've read, because
1: I've read up on this, because I got the impression he was much older. That was supposed to be two years before A New Hope. What? That is what I have read, <laughs> which is not the impression you get. He's let me so let me just say that this is not. Let's just say that he is not. New- he looks oh. like he's about
0: five. Actually, in a new hope, they're supposed to be like nineteen. Are they to be nineteen? So this no. So here's the thing: is I thought Han was like twenty two, twenty three in this movie. I thought he was like like nineteen when the movie opens. Mm-hmm. Which would put <laughs> I can't get over how Luke is supposed to be like seventeen, this is what and that I this is not like him
1: and like anything, but I agree because, like the time frame of rebels, that show can't take more place than more over about four years,
0: yeah, that that takes about four years' worth of time, and but like the scene <laughs> we're talking about in question, it happens
1: towards the end of the series, it's in the end of the third season season, right? And it's a four season show. So it can't be more than a year between.
0: Then I would have thought Luke would be like 14, 15 at most. Which I guess sort of I I, I, don't th- th- I think it's like it's like it, no
1: he is. Like it is. I think it's supposed to be he's like 17. It just he sounds I and mean, he looks like he's 12. But say
0: like, he's he's five. 17, so there's a this is all hard yes. to do on air. Okay, I'm so, just going to pause on this line of reasoning. Right, okay, so it.
1: I think my my impression of Solo, where it takes place, it's about 10 years before A New Hope. In that range, like, you know, I think it takes right. place so over a long matter, period of time. That
0: it, it's like, wouldn't matter if Maul wasn't involved. But because Maul is involved, and we know where Maul is at certain points in time, right? that means... So to me, what was the point of Maul showing up, right? Well, is I think, that because I, think, I, think it, I think
1: it actually doesn't make a huge difference because all we have to know is it's before Rebels. Like, what this is doing is filling in his story between Clone Wars and Rebels. Because right, at the end like, of Clone Wars, he's the head of a criminal syndicate. It's a different one than, I think it's Crimson Dawn. It's a different right, one. Right, they mentioned Crimson Dawn
0: right. in Solo. So it makes sense that he... It makes sense, but, like, the point of the scene to me was, like, so are they setting Kira up to be some sort of villain in what? In I think what they're the- setting Kira up for her own comic series.
1: Why? I mean, I, that's that. That is the I like. I was like, they're gonna do a Kira and Maul comic series. Like, I feel like that's or a book or something. It's gonna be expanded universe. It's not gonna be ears. It's not gonna be like on that. She, co- she just wasn't interesting enough for me to care. My whole thing about it is, I just don't. I didn't like it. I I don't like that reveal. I didn't like. I I didn't like, and honestly, part of it is just, I'm, I'm done with this time period. Like we've explored this time period so much. I'm ready to move on to different time periods. Yeah,
0: I agree. And all right. So that's a lot that we didn't like. Yeah, Let's talk about Donald Glover. Oh, you so good. Who I thought was amazing. I just like, yeah. Williams as as Lando. And
1: he clearly did a lot of research because his cadence and pronunciation the,
0: the, the, the dialect was so I, third times on. I was like, is that Billy? Like, you know what I mean? Like he just Yes. I loved the moment where he goes, Han, and Han goes, it's Han. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for explaining to us why he mispronounces well, see, like, Han. That, that's the thing. I,
1: I was like, <laughs> I don't need to understand. Like, I'm fine not knowing that. Like, there was. Oh, I loved it the way because I that felt. That has irked me for years. The... Of that, like Han, old buddy. I'm like, it's Han, and like it explains why, like Lando pretends to like have an like, like have, have like a, like men to arrest Han with him when he shows up. At Cloud City, and then pretends to like you know does like the fake out. Like it explained all those things, but I was like, I didn't need this stuff explained. Like I was I fine. See, I
0: see. I didn't see it as an explanation so much as like a, um, of, a of giving us a deeper appreciation. Like I just, now those those scenes for me. Somebody posted like a, a gift set of the the first scene that we see Han and Lando meet in Empire. And it had an added weight to it. Mm-hmm. Sort of. And this is sort of similar in in the way that the opening of A New Hope has changed for me thanks to Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Because of the end of Rogue One, the opening of A New Hope has irrevocably changed. And I felt the same way about Han and Lando's meeting thanks to the... Because de- I enjoyed them together. Yeah. I enjoyed seeing the dynamic. I enjoyed, like... So there's this scene... The reason, I think the reason I liked Han so much in this movie is not just because Alden Iron Ironwreck, I cannot remember how, Aaron Reich, I was so close, um, as Han, there's this scene in Last Shot, and this isn't, no spoilers, but it's young Han and Chewie, And they're in the midst of this like firefight. And there's this this woman that they're working with who is involved. And you get the narrative inside Han's head where the woman looks at him and he goes, oh, I know what I have to do. And he's like, I'm so good at this. I know exactly what has to be done. He's like, I get it. We're so on the same wavelength. And then he does the thing. And of course it was the wrong move. And it's like, what is wrong with you? But you get to see that like internal narrative of Han, but before he had any of the experience and still being so cocky. And so like, I am great. So it was great seeing that on screen because I thought he really embodied that oh, well. Oh, I thought Eldon
1: Erelick was great and I thought Donald Glover was great and their chemistry and the way they interacted was great. I'm yeah. just saying, and I, I, that's fine if you feel differently, but I just didn't, like, this movie was unnecessary for me. Like, well, I agree. I agree. I did not need to understand why the history of why Han, Lando calls Han Han. I didn't need to, under, like, these aren't things I needed to
0: understand Like, and it's just. No, I agree with you in that I thought the movie was unnecessary. It was, it was, that's what I mean. It was like candy. It was, you don't need to eat candy. No, but like, I just, that's fine that like,
1: and I, I, I think maybe reading the book would like give some weight to it. But like, I guess my problem is, is there's, I guess my problem is there's two types of Star Wars movie, I guess. I mean that's kind of a generalization but there's like the ones that contribute to the overall universe and the ones that are just going to be standalone fun movies. And like I don't need them all to contribute to the overall universe. Like I don't think any I don't think that's necessary for it to be a fun Star Wars movie. And I think my problems with this one make it sound like I don't like it because it's not that and that's not the case. Like it explained things that didn't need to be explained and I felt felt like they were trying to give it depth through that. And it didn't need that. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, it's just, I just, I don't want to say I didn't care, but I didn't care. Like I was, the acting, the acting was pretty good. I loved, what's her name? I know. I mean, I don't remember her name. Phoebe Waller Bridges, droid. L3. L3. Yeah. I loved L3. I thought she was great. Um, but I thought that acting generally, I agree with you. I don't think Amelia Clark's acting was a problem. I think the writing was the problem. Um, but it just, I think the acting was fine. I just, I don't, I don't know. Like I left this movie and was like, I have my arms up and like shruggy emoji. You guys can't see it. But I was just like, I don't know. I just,
0: I mean, that's, I mean, that's what I was, I, I'm trying to remember now what I said earlier, but like, I agree that it was unnecessary because it is. We know the story. We know all of this. And that's what this, that's what we, I guess, we're coming up against in these, like, e- extra movies. Yeah. Is, like, do we need this? No. But that's expanded universe stuff. Right. And to your point is, like, you shouldn't have to engage with everything to understand a single piece of yes. the Star Wars movies especially the movies, like, the movies especially because like this movie should be one that everybody should be able to see and yeah. understand right we get it because we're huge nerds and, and and ingest everything basically but i
1: think okay i think i'm i'm, I'm formulating because like we haven't talked about this before so we're formulating i or at least i am formulating some of my thoughts as we're talking and i think i got it like i think they i think this movie in and of itself If it had been, like, a Han-Lando-Chewie movie and that had been the kind of... If they had focused on that, like, trio and that had been the focus, I think without ever, like, explaining why Lando called Han... And without ever explaining all those things, it would have had depth and significance, even if it explained nothing about the larger universe, because it's three characters that we all care about and that we all like. And I think part of the problem was this movie didn't quite capture that. So they tried to include these things that would give it depth. And that just didn't. Does that make sense?
0: It does. I'm not sure that I, I liked the pieces that we got that, that, I felt deepened the character moments we get in the original series. But I, I think I understand what you're saying in my perspective on it is sort of when I said like, there's too many cooks in the kitchen, it felt very much like there was, there were people when they were writing the scripting, like, Oh man, and we should totally do this and we should do this and we should do this. And yeah. so it was, it was like these disconnected vignettes of, but because they were so disconnected, they didn't build up into anything. And so, like you know, I thought I also enjoyed the voice work for for L three, yeah. Um, but I had real issues on how they handled the narrative of her and Lando, mm-hmm. and how they didn't do the work to make me care that much yeah. when she dies, and Lando is sad. Like she was comedic relief. She was comedic relief, and yeah. then we're supposed to, we're supposed to think that there's this great depth of feeling between the two of them, but they didn't do the work. Like, that was so much of this movie, of them not doing the work to make us care about the things that they were saying we should care about. It was, we're expected
1: to care because we care about that main, we already care about those characters, but we don't know these characters at this point in time. Yeah. Like, we have to, yeah, there has to be some depth there, and like, yeah, I think that's, I think that is, yeah. I think that's my issue, because also, if you think about the women in this story,
0: none of them were given any depth. It doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. None of the only, like the only conversation Amelia and L3 have is about Han and Lando. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. You're right. So like
1: there's three female characters, two of them die. And before we get any sort of real story from Mm -hmm. them and one of them just I mean, like moves, moves along, yeah, like moves along, and I don't know, like I
0: just ugh. right, it's it's it could have been better, it could have been better, it could have been i I think it would have been amazing as a rebels episode, I keep coming I back to it, I do too, but I really, like I really think it could have been so fun, in the same way that they pull Lando in two rebels Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it could have been so fun to have pieces of this movie Mm -hmm. be a part of it like i just you know oh we didn't talk about the emphasis nest which people are super into which i get because we're all desperate to want something to love about this movie but they didn't that even that didn't have the depth it needed for me same I, I I again put my hands up and and
1: like shruggy emoji because like I just uh, there's not and like I'm so glad it's like run by um, I think it's a woman of or uh, young yes. woman of color like I'm so glad that that's the case but you have to have more than representation to hook me on something
0: right it needs to have the story and they didn't have ironically enough the story. <laughs> Like, it just wasn't there. The great parts of this film were in the small moments between yeah. the characters that we loved, but the overall thread of it was just, like, okay? And I think that, I think, I
1: like, can I, I compare it? I've been comparing it a lot in my head to Rogue One because they're the two standalone movies we've yeah. gotten from this universe, and Rogue One had less work to do because it had, the, the stakes gave it depth. You're right. Like, it had less work to do. Like, it had some of the same character issues. um, And it had a lot of the same choppiness issues. And some of the best moments of that movie were the small moments with, like, Baze and Chirrut. And, like, Mm -hmm. you know, with, like, Diego Luna and stuff like that. But I just feel like that movie succeeded in a way that this movie... It didn't
0: fail. I'm not trying to say that. No. But it didn't quite get there for me. Well... This one relied really heavily on us already caring right. about the characters. Rogue One had to do the work to make us care about these characters we'd never met before. And the cast was so large, and it made us care about all of
1: them. I know some people yes. didn't like Jen. I did personally. I understand, like, there are issues there. But even if you didn't like her, I'm guessing you liked the larger cast. Yes. Like... Right. And... and Just with a few lines, they made us love Baze and Cherit, And they made us yeah. love, like. And this movie, like, I don't know. Like, they're, like, okay, for example, if you compare K2SO and when he dies Ugh. to when L3 dies. Yes! This is yes! what I'm saying. Like, look at the difference in how these, they're both droids. They've both got a long standing relationship with their owners. Both their owners are not the main characters, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, in the movie quite a bit. Like, look at the difference. Just how you, how I felt when K two died versus I was, I was devastated.
0: Yeah, same. I cried a lot.
1: Versus when L three died, I was like, okay, well, she was funny, so you know. Right, because there was no death. Like K two, you ge- he actually has character. Yeah, growth. we know, we know, like that, like he freed him, like that, um, that. Uh, why am I blanking on his character's name? That Diego Luna uh, freed him from. Cassian. Yeah, Cassian. We know that Cassian freed him from the Empire. We know that, like, he's, like, a little bit erratic. We know, like, he doesn't like that moment where he has to, like, take one of his counterparts and, like, stick the, you know, thing mm-hmm. in the back of his head. You know, he we know he doesn't like that. That's the stuff. And, like, it's just, we don't know where L2 came from. Like, we know right. she cares about droids' rights, which is actually a really important it's thing. Really and It is treated. Cool interesting. It is cool and interesting, and it's just treated the whole time as comic relief.
0: Yes, yes, which was frustrating, because yeah. it could, because that's another, uh, like, I'm sorry, I keep bringing up Last Shot, but we get a lot of L3 in Last Shot, and... When is Last Shot set? Last Shot is set sort of like, it's multi-timeline, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit of Han and Lando just... After Ben is born, like I think he's like two or three. Okay. And then it's 15 years before that, I think, with Lando, and then 10 years before that with Han. Okay. Okay. So it's so not. It's set in multiple timelines. So okay. you have young L- Lando before Han, and then you have young Han after Lando. So he has the Millennium Falcon.
1: Okay. So it's told in three timelines.
0: Yeah. Okay. Like, multi. It's it's like um, non-linear. Okay.
1: All right. But I wish so I had read it. I wish I had planned to read it beforehand. I just ran out of time. But like, I know. But you shouldn't have to. Right. Again, this is like what I, we keep saying. Like, we shouldn't. The character development, and this is, I think, this was one of my criticisms of Rogue One. Um, Jin gets a lot more character development in the book than she does in the movie. Yeah. And you shouldn't have to read a book to sympathize with a character. Right. Which is, I feel like you shouldn't have to read a book. You shouldn't have to watch a TV show to understand, like a five-season TV show, to understand why this um, this character who's supposed to be dead is now alive and on your movie screen. Right.
0: So, something interesting I've been seeing in the responses to this movie is, like, I've seen people who are like, this is one of my new favorite Star Wars movies. <laughs>
1: Okay, I mean, I just made a face and I don't want to judge. Like I, you know me. I'm not that person, but like I I would like to talk to one of those people about what they loved about it because I did not find a lot to love about it. And maybe maybe their favorite character is Han
0: Solo, and then that would make sense. I think I do think part of it is how much people wanted to watch Han and Chewie have fun because like we said that's the best part of this movie. Best part. By uh, far. Best part of this movie. And
1: genuinely like yeah. enjoyable and not just, oh, it's the best part of a kind of shitty movie. Like no, it is no. genuinely great.
0: Mm-hmm. It was fun to watch them yeah. interact. I and love that. Their journey is fun. Um, so I think that's part of it. And maybe yeah. just it's it's that understanding of it's just a fun find yeah. Star Wars This movie. is the first
1: Star Wars movie that does not necessarily tie into the larger story
0: Right, and doesn't have stakes really, because you know how it has to end Yeah,
1: which is fine Like, and I think more of those should exist I just think this one wasn't superbly done necessarily
0: right? Which part of that
1: is just, you know, a director taking over, like, six weeks before, you know, like the end of like, just, there was a lot of behind the scenes mess with this movie, which there was with Rogue One too, but it wasn't like this
0: Not like this. Not this bad. This was like, this was, you can tell. You can see it. You can see how messy it must have gotten, which is never something you want to, like, I'll compare it to, people are going to get so mad that I'm about to do this, but I'll compare it to the last Fantastic Four movie, which when you watched it, there was a lot of potential. Okay. I never saw it. There was, it's real bad. But there was a lot of potential, and you could see the potential, and you could see where people, too many people got involved. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so there are just too many people making decisions in Solo, and so it just, the story doesn't work, which is unfortunate. Um, I just feel like we keep saying the same thing over and over. It was a fun, fine movie. Yeah, and I feel like we're being so negative because,
1: or we're like nitpicking at it because we're having a discussion about it, and I think the amount mm-hmm. I am nitpicking, at least, does not reflect... Like, the movie was fine. Like, it was fine. Like, it was enjoyable. I will probably, like, get it when it comes out and kind of put it on in the background when I'm doing other stuff. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like, I'm like, oh my god, I never want to see that movie again. That movie was terrible. I just,
0: I just want a super cut of Han and chewy. I know. But also, I think,
1: I, <laughs> I think that's why the whole mall thing pissed me off so much, because it wasn't connected to the larger universe, and it didn't yeah. need to be... Right. And then that kind of brought it back in. I'm like, oh.
0: <laughs> oh, it's just. We also, I think, our expectations of these Star Wars movies have to have to shift. Yeah. Like, a I little. don't, I don't like. Sorry, I totally interrupted you there. But I'm like, I don't like how people are like, oh,
1: it's gonna set records and yet it's a failure for Lucasfilm. Like,
0: right? It's not. It's just that they've created this thing. This franchise exists. That is a world that is deep with potential story. Right. And that's what this stuff is going to be now. And that's a new world in terms of franchises of splitting off and splitting off and splitting off and splitting off to the point where you do get so niche that you're going to get to the point where there are things that people care about that they're going to be really heavily invested in. And there are other things that people are like, I don't care about this. Yeah. Like, you know, like there are definitely like comics that i'm not reading There are like i didn't read that Thrawn book there's so many things that i'm not engaging with because it's not the part of the world that i necessarily have a high interest level in right and that's what's happening only it's happening at this multi-billion dollar level yeah which is something you have to contend with and i think for me
1: one of the parts of the uh, world i have the most interest in is the jedi yeah and there were no jedi on this and i don't think there need to be and i don't think jedi need to be in everything because the whole point is they you know they kind of work in the shadows work in the background and at this point they were gone um and so they don't need to be but i'm going to gravitate towards the parts of star wars that have that because that is one of the things i love about the universe and that's okay like i think the point is it needs to be okay that we have different if this is going to be successful and grow i think I think it needs to be um, flexible enough to like highlight different parts of mm-hmm. the universe, and I ju- I don't know. I think I mean this movie will do fine. It's
0: Star Wars; it'll do fine. Yeah, it'll fine. it'll make a lot of mo- it'll make more than enough money to as to like what they spent on it. Yeah. I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, they're I, gonna be fine, and then and then they're gonna do a Boba Fett movie.
1: Which I probably will not see in theater, I'm going to be honest. I mean, they could have done worse only in that at least Boba Fett is a man of color, and I hope they remember yeah. that when they cast. They, they would not. Yeah. and they would
0: not.
1: I mean, so I hope, like, so it could be worse. And uh, hey,
0: he's the main character, so he can't get killed off in the first yes. act, so that's exciting. Uh, but... Um, you no. Know, no, it
1: could be, it could be somebody, but it could also be somebody taking on the armor of Boba Fett. That's true. And I didn't think, it, about you that. know, it just, it doesn't have to be that character. That being said, I probably will not see that in theater. And I just, I don't, I'm like with Solo, I didn't have a lot of interest. And then as the media blitz started, Picking up, I was like, "Oh, okay, this movie, I might, I might like this movie." So then I was like, "Fine, I'll see it in theater." And now I'm like, uh, "I should have just stuck with my instinct." So I'll probably do that going
0: forward. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't. Yeah, mean, you we'll know. see. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to with these things. I also hope they they're not doing it for Boba Fett, but I hope they start pulling in like, more diverse creators to be in the script writing room. I don't know. This could have been avoided, I feel like, with Val, if there had been a black woman in that room going, maybe we shouldn't kill her off now. I'm just, like, I'm just so tired
1: because I feel like it's the same discussion over and over I know, again. I, I no, know. No and people so- of color behind the camera and the people of color aren't screened. Like, at least the women of color aren't
0: treated well, and, like, it's and, just... like, it shouldn't be that we have to have someone of color in the room to make sure this doesn't happen.
1: I'm just tired of it. Like,
0: I'm just tired, and that's part of why
1: I was, like, I don't really just... I'm just tired. I'm, like, it's not just that, like, I'm, like, I see it on screen, and I'm, like, ugh. I'm just, like, I'm tired of talking about it. Like, why is this no. a thing we still have to talk about over and over? Like... The people they know better because they get criticized about this over and over and over and over and over again, and yet they keep doing it. Like every, it's like no women women behind the camera. Like I think they appointed the first like second unit director for the Last Jedi would be a woman or something like that, which is great, but it's not the main. You know, yep, I'm just tired. We of it. know. I know. I know. I like just went on a rant, but like I'm just we tired know. of it. Like, I'm tired of having to constantly make this criticism about something I love, and it's making me love it less, which is terrible.
0: <laughs> this got real dark. I know,
1: sorry, guys. <laughs> I just, I'm so, like, irritated with, the, with I, I'm i just so irritated with it. I was so irritated with the Boba Fett movie, uh, like, announcement. Because I'm like, uh... Because, like, some people are really, and I don't want to, like like be mean about the people who love the character it's not about the Boba Fett movie like if it was a movie starring a man of color with like Taika Waititi writing i would be like that is amazing like i don't care if i don't care about the character that is amazing it's just like cuz it's like James Mangold who did Logan yeah and i'm yeah. sure it'll be good i'm sure cuz he's talented but
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah <laughs> i know that's uh, that is exactly that noise is how i feel about this <laughs> i'm just like uh... oh god all right so that's okay sorry guys sorry i like like when we started i was like i just don't want to i just don't want to be too negative because that's not what we do and then like 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 look at me an hour later and i'm like bringing everyone down into the dumps
0: no it's fine it's not it's that we know we deserve better at this point yeah that's the key i think my thing
1: is like yeah, I think that is it. We deserve better, and until we get better, like, I'm going to be less positive because it's just, it's hard to keep seeing this. Like, it's hard to keep mm-hmm. seeing women of color treated this way and the women on the show, like, generally, like, yeah, anyway. Yes. Okay. Yes. But what do we love right now? Let's be, what let's do talk we love about what right we now? love. Talk, what do you love, Preethi.
0: Okay, so right now, uh, speaking of sitcoms, Um, I'm rewatching New Girl, which I totally like fell off of and then caught back up just in time to watch the series finale. Um, Like about two weeks ago, I think it it ended. Uh, New Girl is one of these sitcoms that is just sort of quietly chugged along in the background of my life because Hannah Simone is on it. And it's one of my favorite representations of a first generation Indian girl. Mm -hmm. Like it's. Okay, so tell me, tell me about Hannah. Has she been on the show since the beginning, or was she First added episode?
1: on later? No, she's How, been on it from the beginning. Why is no like I literally have not heard about this from anybody until you started talking about like in the last like six, like that she was on the show and it had good like South, like Indian representation.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's New Girl is a complicated show as as everything is. There are pieces of it super problematic, but. In terms of the Indian rep, in terms of not just, like, how other characters... Here's the key. There are shitty things said about Cece's Indian background from other characters, but it's always centering her. Like, there is this episode... This is where I was, like, pulled in, and I think it's in the second season. There's this episode when she's about to get married to another Indian guy. It's an arranged marriage. And they don't mock the tradition of it. Mm -hmm. And she's... At like a party in her apartment, and she's on the phone with Jess, and she's freaking out. It's like the day before her wedding. She has to do Mandy, like all this stuff, and she's like, she goes, you know, this uncle was in one movie with Amitabh Bachchan, and now he thinks he's just all jumbaraba Jum. Joom. and that is an in joke for friggin' Indian people who watch Bollywood movies. Yeah, there are points in that show where she speaks Hindi, and like I understood it even though it's not translated, I got that joke. You know, it's it's small things like that, that a first generation kid might do to like, like there are times where my sister and I speak Hindi on the train when we want to speak about something we don't want other people to know about. Right. So it's like, it happens in life. You know, the, there's a wedding that really respects the Hindu side of the culture and the Hindu side of the wedding. Mm -hmm. It was just, and it's funny. It's a show that, like, there are parts of it that make me, like, laugh so hard I am crying. Um, and so, yeah, Hannah Simone is, like, as C Paddock, which is, like, a family name. Like, yeah, my cousin's yeah. last name is Paddock, yeah. right? It was just so nice to see this, like, longevity of that character. Like, New Girl lasted seven seasons. And Cece's in basically every single episode. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I just—I never—I hadn't heard about it, and I was like, and then you start talking about it, I was like, how did I not know this? Because I might have like picked it up when you know at some point, and now it's too late mm-hmm. because I don't well, have time to watch anything. No, I'll pick it. I'll I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll just binge watch everything at, at once. Sitcoms are easy. I'll give you, like, Key episodes, yeah. Sitcoms through. are easier too because it's like twenty minutes. Yeah,
0: they're twenty two minutes, and and also I I don't I just feel like it was just. It started before the big push for representation happened. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it just was, it was already doing it, which is amazing. Yeah. That's great. But I do think that means it kind of slipped quietly by. Yeah. As these also uh, Hannah Simone is biracial and I hate to think that that was part of it, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and then the other thing is spectacular Spider-Man, the Chips Darsky, um, writing Peter Parker, which I've been catching up on Marvel Unlimited and is so much better than the Amazing Spider-Man run right now, <laughs> is surprisingly full of depth and not just jokes, even though I love the jokes. Um, Chips Darsky is yeah, really good. Spider-Man, he's really good. I would pick it up. And that's what I am into. Sonna, so tell oh, me God. what you're into. Okay,
1: so the Giro di Italia is going on right now. And that's the tour of Italy. Um, and it's a cycling race, because you all know what I like about cycling. Um, you are, you all know I love cycling. Okay, so it is a 21-day race, stage race. So, like, they race, like, I don't know, like, 160 to 200 kilometers every day. They have three rest days. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's terrible. Like, the, you can, like, see these guys losing weight over the course of these three weeks. Like, it is, like, it is brutal, and it is, like, like... I mean, like, it is, I think it was, like, I heard, like, you will lose, like, 25 pounds between when you start the race and when you finish the race or something like, something unreal like that. And it is just, these races are brutal, and this race, this one is so good. Like, it's, like, it's, there's, they get annoying, um, not annoying, but, like, they're not as good when there's, like, only one kind of dominant person, so it's much better when there's like three or four people who could possibly win and they're all like fighting against one another. And that's what's happening in this race. And I'm super behind. I'm like five stages behind and supposedly something happened that was really good and like at the stage that aired like yesterday. So I'm going to try and catch up this weekend. Uh, but yeah, it's really good. I love it. And it's a total nerd thing. And I'm not going to talk about it anymore because no one else is interested. No, Wait,
0: do you have a favorite? Um. Okay,
1: I actually have multiple favorites. <laughs> So, Tom Dumoulin, who won last year, is, like, kind of the guy I went into this, like, rooting for. But then there's a guy, a British guy, Simon Yates, who's just been, like, he, he didn't come out of nowhere. Like, he, like, I think he was, like, seventh last year on the Tour de France. So, he didn't come out of nowhere, but he's been doing really well. But then Chris Froome, who is kind of, like, he's won the Tour de France, like, the four out of the last five years three out of the last four years or something like that so he was kind of like a favorite going in but he's his team has kind of been rocked by some doping scandals so it's kind of like i don't personally think he's been doping because he's like a he's just i i don't think so but it's possible so you don't know whether to root for him or not and also i just kind of root against him because i try to root for like the underdog But then also he's like been the underdog and he's been doing so poorly the past, the first week. And then kind of now he's starting to come back. So like, it's just, it's so complicated and so good. (laughs) Like, it's so good. Like, I'm just like every, like, I'm like yelling at the TV every, Oh yeah, that's really good. I love
0: it. I love it so much. One of my favorite things about this show is that when we talk about each other's things. Like, even if like, I I don't know, like that's what with Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I was just like, I just want you to tell me why you love this show. it's it's fun so with cycling how do you keep up like when there's not a big tour happening are there like regional tours yeah so like there's like there's three big tours
1: um the Giro d'Italia which is Italy then Tour de France and then Volta a España and that's um uh that's about that's like May July and kind of late August early September Um, so, but yeah, there's, like, a ton of, like, like, the Tour of California, and they go on, like, during each other, so, like, teams have to, like, like, the teams are really big, and they have to, like, strategize, okay, there's the 21-day stage race, Giro d'Italia, but, like, the week-long Tour of California is going on at the same time, so Uh who do we spend, who do we send to what, what race, because if you start a race... Um, like, you have to start, you can't, like, switch people in during the race. Mm -hmm. So you have to start the race, but some people just don't have the ability to ride for 21 days. Like, they just don't. Like, they can do, like, single-day races, or, like, 4 to three-day races, or, like, seven-day races, but they can't do... So, like, it's like, it's like a, yeah, so there's always different races going on, which is why I'm so behind on the Giro because I kind of just binge-watched the Tour of California and then got really behind on the Giro. So yeah, there's a bunch of phrases going on all year, but my favorites are the Grand Tours because they're so brutal, and it makes me sound like a, like, freaking, like, like I just enjoy watching people hurt, and that's not the case, (laughs) but it's just like, like, there are times when, like, someone will, like, you have to finish... Like if you're like going like in a place of leadership or something, you have to finish a stage in order to be able to start the next stage. So if you fall and you're injured and you're not sure if you're injured too badly to start the next day, like you have to you have to finish the stage in order to be able to start the next day. If you get in a doctor's car off your bike and into a doctor's car, you can't start the next day, even if you're not injured so badly, you can't continue. So it's like there are moments where people will be like, I, I'm not sure what's going on, and their teammates because it's like a team sport for individual glory so their teammates will help them back onto the bike after they crash and like there are like there was this one time like a few years ago where the yellow jersey who's the leader in the Tour de France fell and was in really bad shape but to be able to keep the jersey he had to finish the race So his teammates, they crossed the line holding him on his bike, like, five guys just, like, with their arms around each other, holding his bike up, like, to get him across. And it's, like, moments like that I, like, start crying because I love, like, how much they support each other and how, like, like, the team nature of this sport. And he had a broken collarbone and did not continue. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, like, it's so bad. Like, like, the injuries are so bad. I've never seen someone die. But, like, it has happened on these races. Like, It's really, like, they're really brutal, and so, um, luckily, like, usually, like, the safety stuff is good enough to where people, like, you know, they will recover, but it's, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a brutal sport. It's really, Mm. it's, it's a lot, yeah. So, anyway, I, like, got all teary talking about cycling. I love it so much. I love it! Um, what are we up to? What are you up to? You've got a big month coming up.
0: I do have a big month coming up. Um, the book that I am, that I have, that I have a story in is coming out in a month, which is Bananas. So if you are in New York, we are doing a launch event at McNally Jackson in Soho uh, on June 26th, which is the day it comes out at seven o'clock. So if you're around, you should come celebrate a thousand beginnings and endings with me. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, I'll be there. Yes, i will be there. I'm
1: coming into town because I would not miss this. Um, and what else?
0: Oh, so we didn't talk about Deadpool on this show, um, but we did talk about it on the other podcast I'm on, uh, Strong Female Characters, which you can find on sci
1: What are you, into, now? I'm, like, very tired right now. Literally, it says on this, like, on our podcast notes, I say I am very tired. Like, literally, <laughs> like, it's just my work has been so bad these past few weeks. Like, I've been working nonstop and um, on some interesting stuff, but, like, nothing, like, you know, like like really like kind of niche space stuff and stuff like that, which is a lot of fun. But um, yeah, it's been it's been kind of a brutal um, couple of weeks. Uh, so yeah, I'm not really. I feel like I'm the Reverie recaps at Fangirls. I'm really excited about. I also interviewed Sarah Shahi over at Fangirls, um, and she said some really really interesting things about like her personal connection to the show. So yeah, um, that's so that's kind of that. And then um, we're part of the. Um, nerds of color podcast network. So you can, you should listen to some of the other podcasts in the network, which includes hard knock life includes Southern fried Asians.
0: Um, a lot of great podcasts to catch up on. And then thank you to our Patreon supporters. As always, you guys are amazing. So thank you to Fazia and Meredith Smith at the $10 level, and Jerome, Martha Brandy, Rahul, GeekheartGames.com, Jordan, Annie, Maggie, Megan, oh, Claire, Brian, Robert, Guy, 3, Maya, and the Not family at the $5 level. Whew. Thank you all. You all are great. You're all amazing. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Geek Girls. I am at Runwood Skizzers. I am at S. Krishna. Um, as always, if you enjoy listening to the show, please review us on iTunes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate it. I do And I
1: guess that's it. That's it. Okay, so I guess we will see you in hell. We'll see you
0: in hell, you guys. Yep. See you in
1: hell. Mm-hmm.